So, Dan's still not here this week, um, but we do have more guests. Last week, we had the Junkertown FM boys and Nick Holland, uh, and this week, we're graced with the gorgeous presence of Johnny Garbs Garbin and Chris Infernox Inglis. Hey, how are you, mate? Good, lads. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Very good, very good. Love and life, as usual. So, who's telling the joke? Johnny oh, I think I'll pull that one out. It's a, it's a tradition. It's a tradition. <laughs> it's a tradition. You like Dan starts every podcast with a joke. Nick had one last week to kick us off. All right, Gubs, take it away. So a guy goes into his doctor and says that he's been having a few problems in the bedroom, that he's not lasting as long. And uh, so the doctor says, well, the best thing to do to last longer is probably try and masturbate before you do have sex. And the guy goes, you know what? I'm going to do it. Hell with it. Let's do it. So he spent the rest of the day thinking about where he's going to do it. Um, and he thought, well, I can't do it in my office. So he thought, well, I might do it in the restroom. He goes, nah, that was too open. He couldn't, couldn't get away with that. Then he considered an alley, but think, thought to himself, well, a bit unsafe. And, you know, people around. So then he went, you know what? I've got a better solution. So on his way home, he pulled his truck over to the side of the highway. He got out and crawled underneath us as, as if he was, you know, checking the, the brakes or the, 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 the underneath of the truck. And he thought, okay, I'm pretty happy with the privacy down here. So he undid his pants and he started to do the business. So he, while he's doing the business, he closed his eyes and he thought really hard about his lover. And as he grew closer to the big finish, he felt a quick tug at the bottom of his pants. Not wanting to lose his mental fantasy or the orgasm, he kept his eyes shut and said, What? Then he then he heard this voice, this very authoritative voice. This is the police. What are you doing down there, mate? And he goes, I'm checking out the rear, rear axle. It's busted. And the officer replies, well, you might as well check the brakes while you're down there too because your truck rolled down the hill five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. One, two, one, two, three. Game on. Game on. It's game time. Excellent. Game on. Game on. It's game time. Welcome to episode 75 of the Game on Australia podcast. My name is Pete, and for the next hour, we're just going to bang on about games because we just bloody love gaming. You know what else we bloody love? Bloody gaming. And we're joined tonight by a couple of Game on AUS uh, veterans. I'm going to call you veterans. <laughs> is, is that all right? I'll get a bit blushy, Pete. <laughs> so, um, Garbs. G'day, everyone. How you going? And uh, also uh, Infernox. Good evening, gamers. So um, you would have definitely have heard these guys, or at least me and Dan talk about these guys. They uh, join us just about every single night as we play through title after title. Um, far out. PUBG for months and months and months. and just oh, we did hit that pretty good. Yeah, yeah um, just about everything else that you can think of as well. Uh, and you catch them across the streams and all sorts of stuff. But uh, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, thanks for the info, mate. Yeah, thank in, you for having us. In lieu of Dan uh, not being here, he's still over in the US. He's having an absolutely cracking time, which is great. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's great to have you guys along. As I've mentioned uh, a couple of podcasts ago, over the next three weeks while Dan's away, we're going to have guests. Last week, it was the Junkertown FM boys who were spectacular. They did a great job, so make sure you check out their podcast. And um, there's a, a little special podcast episode in between this one episode uh, 75 and, and the Junkertown FM boys joining episode 73 and that is a, a special God of War episode featuring Rob Davis from Santa Monica Studios um, obviously the team behind God of War so you can check that out right now iTunes, Android, Podcast One AU and US and if you're about to jump on your Qantas and Jetstar flight um, it'll be featuring on there as well right at the top brand new refresh across there guys got to do the usuals say a quick hello and a thank you to PLE Computers our tech sponsor just a rad group of people and of course you guys know them because you've bought stuff from them yeah man they did my recent system it's awesome <laughs> how's your rig oh mate I mean I'm just blown away at how good it is um, I spoke to Shane down at the uh, Coburn store legend of a man he, he built this thing for me um and yeah like basically i can play like far cry 5 ultra settings no low lag no nothing it's fantastic so looking forward to some of the bigger titles that are coming out um, oh, mate. over this year to give him a flogging so yeah <laughs> i'm very jealous of that rig <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey um let's get straight into this guys the top three things that gamers need to hear this week Top bit of news, uh, the first thing that we need to fire off and have a chat about this week is this thing that you uh, brought for us, Chris. So, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 won't have traditional single-player campaign. This is from Polygon.com. It's uh, dropped a little bit earlier today. It will instead focus on multiplayer and zombies, according to sources. And it goes into a little bit more detail. Uh, The shift in creative direction will make Black Ops 4 the first mainline Call of Duty to ship without a standard campaign. When Reach for Comment, an Activision spokesperson said, we don't comment on rumour and speculation. We look forward to revealing Black Ops 4 on May 17th. So, look, pretty straightforward we can say about this one, that it is yet to be confirmed, but uh, where there's smoke, generally there's fire. We'll start first, though, by asking the question, how would you guys feel about Call of Duty Black Ops 4 not featuring campaign? Chris, I will start with you. Yeah, I uh, I'm in mixed minds because um, I've probably bought I have bought every uh, game in the franchise, and obviously early on there was single player only, and as the as the the brand developed, they added multiplayer, and multiplayer became a big thing. Um, and I loved the single player campaigns in all games, but it did get to a period, probably about in the mid two thousands, where I, I did buy a game, you know, I think it might have been Black Ops 4 multiplayer because we were playing with John and, and uh, a heap of other guys in our clan and um, multiplayer was it. Uh, yes, we played the single player and, you know, I'm a bit of a pussy in terms of I need to learn the game before I go into multiplayer and get owned. So single player for me um, basically taught me how to play the game, learnt the guns, attachments, you know, um, later on when it got futuristic, how to wall jump, things like that. So the single player kind of gave me a, a warm-up before I then unleashed on uh, multiplayer. Um, so to not have single player, um, and especially with some people didn't like Infinite Warfare, um, but certainly with the latest World War II, the campaign is absolutely brilliant. It's a really good story, and it almost revit- revitalized the single player campaign mm. for the series. Did you like Infinite Warfare? Uh, to be honest, I've only played a couple of missions, um, and I didn't play it at release, so I wasn't caught in the hype train or the negative hype train, I guess. 
So I just played a few missions tonight, actually, um, and it's not too bad. Like, I'm taking it for what it is. It's a futuristic game. Uh, I'm liking the Saturn setting already, uh, but I haven't got too far into it, so I don't. I haven't seen too many of the negatives yet. Infinite Warfare is the only one where I have not finished the campaign. Yeah, right. Just, so I, right. Yeah, by that stage, I, I don't know what it was. I think I, I, I was really disappointed with Infinite Warfare. Gubs, we'll come back to you in just a moment to get your thoughts on whether or not um, it would be all right without a campaign. But just on this for a moment, I, yeah, I just couldn't get on board with Infinite Warfare. I just feel like they went a little bit too far away from what Call of Duty was so famous for, and, and that was just doing a first-person shooter really right. I felt like there was a little bit too much. You know, they tried to go a little yeah. bit too far futuristic, and I don't know, not not that it was confusing or anything, because you get your head around it, but it just... I don't know, it, it just felt like too much. It felt like you couldn't follow the story because there was too much that they were trying to stuff into the game, if you get yeah. my drift. yeah. Did you play much of the Battlefield series? No, I didn't. Because uh, it started off as well, like like Call of Duty in World War Two, uh, and then they brought out Battlefield twenty one forty two, which is a futuristic theme. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And it really like it was fun in terms of it was it was new. Like by that stage, we we're a bit over World War Two games because there was Medal of Honor, Battlefield, and Call of Duty. Yep. Um, and twenty one forty two came out, so it was new, exciting, futuristic, but it didn't last long. It kind of flopped after a while, and then they went back to the same formula of of um, keeping it simple. So yeah, I, I can see, and I, and in playing through uh, Black Ops three, modern, you know, the latest modern warfare to a point. But um, what's the other in the series? Uh, Advanced Ghost. Warfare. Mm. Uh, Ghost was brilliant, but Advanced Warfare kind of started to lose me a little in. It was, yeah, like you said, a bit too futuristic. And, uh, you know, from list, listening to uh, what people have said and reading articles from Advanced Warfare to Infinite Warfare, it's just gone that extra level above. And, like you said, probably too far. What about you, Garbs? What do you reckon about a, um, a uh, Black Ops without a campaign? Uh, it feels a bit dirty to me, to be honest. I, I mean, I loved Modern Warfare and what, sucked me into that was that storyline you know with um soap and the boys and so, i think so i don't mind I tell you, things, man. <laughs> mate, you just brought back memories and i'm getting oh, it um but no i think if you're gonna do it like i don't mind if, it, if they go right we're just gonna do multiplayer that's fine make the multiplayer just dazzle for us so because you're not going to worry about the, the campaign so you've got more time to chuck into multiplayer but you don't want to do what I think it was. What was it, Chris? Uh, Battlefield Three, where they it was multiplayer, but they thought, oh, well, we better throw in a campaign, and the campaign was just rubbish. It, it was like, what? It, why even bother? So, yeah, I don't mind it, but um, I'm just so used to Call of Duty having a campaign that I'm I sort of expect it. I want it. I want to see these stories, and I'm hoping that they. Um, well, I hope that they do it. Or well, this is just a bit of talk in the background but um yeah because i mean call of duty for me sort of died around advanced warfare i sort of mm. got bored it was just sort of it seemed very rushed and it was sort of like they just wanted to get you through the campaign so you get straight into multiplayer um yeah yeah instead of going well we if we're going to do a campaign do it right and give us a good story give us a good quality campaign and then once we've satisfied with that wonderful go into multiplayer 
And I felt, the, I felt the same way. I felt the same way very much so with Advanced Warfare and Infinite Warfare. I just couldn't get on board emotionally with mm. the characters from those campaigns. And I don't know whether or not... It, it, it probably had a lot to do with the feeling that they were rushed to market. And they, they tried to pump so much other stuff into them that they kind of didn't put enough emphasis in these characters and telling the story and getting you emotionally invested. Whereas exactly. yeah. Modern Warfare 2, you know, like to be able to recall the characters like Ghost and Soap McTavish and, and, Tavish and so on and so forth, it, you know, it's it's an example of being genuinely emotionally invested in those characters mm. and that storyline. And it was, it was a really great thing to play through. And, and you know, you made a great point before... Um, Chris O about it setting you up as a, a really great way to teach you the game to yeah. play the other modes you know so it's essentially they built um, the game around the campaign whereas these later iterations of um, uh, Advanced Warfare and, and Infinite Warfare and so on it's almost like they built multiplayer and they built yeah. whatever else they were going to put in it and then yep. thought to themselves oh geez we better put a campaign in it as well otherwise people will get pissed so yep. they decided to, to slap dash throw one in there um i've always liked the the black ops the black ops part of the series campaigns i've, I've always i haven't minded them I've, I've always been able to get into one two and three yep. um yep. however i gotta admit i bought two and three more so for the zombies than i did for the campaign yeah so I coming at it from the other end, I got so much out of actually playing zombies. Right, I, I spent more hours than I could possibly count playing zombies, um, yeah. because the thing that they did right with zombies is they actually built a story into zombies. You know, um, yeah. Did you guys did you guys play much of Black Ops Two and Black Ops Three Zombies? Um, I had a dabble in it, but I think I think I've invested a lot of time into Battlefield. Like I ended up turning into a real Battlefield fan. Um, even them, like you know, two and three, like we, I think Chris, yeah, we put in a fair bit of time, so I didn't really get too heavy into it, but I did try it, and I, I do enjoy it. I think it's it's quite good that just the different type of multiplayer, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was the round of the time when there was a Battlefield or Call yeah. of Duty, like a Ford versus Holden type scenario with gamers. Yeah, that's it. Um, and in that period, I think you and I, John, went the way of Battlefield at the time because we felt mm. um, the single player. And the multiplayer experience was just a little bit on top of it. However, zombies, like you said, Pete, um, it, it drew us back a little. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, but yeah, the the thing for me was that um, zombies, you know, from the very beginning, zombies gave you just a taste, right? It, it wasn't too much. It was just a taste of a story. It gave you four characters mm. that they could build this thing around um, and gave you a little bit of history and left you these little Easter eggs throughout the map that you could go and find. Yep. And, you know, it gave you just enough whilst being that cool sort of wave after wave of play. And then they built upon it with the successive releases of the DLCs, right? Yep. So, you know, to the point where Black Ops 3, they finished it off with Origins. Now, Origins was amazing. Like, mm. Origins actually had an end game, which was unheard of for a zombies part of the campaign. Um, and... I swear to you guys, like, it took bucket after bucket of KFC. And, <laughs> yes. Daddy bad. Yeah. And, a, like, it, a good year, right, between myself and my cousin, um, Josh, back-to-back -back TVs at his house every Saturday to oh, finish yeah. off this this particular piece of the zombies puzzle. Yeah. Um, and 
you know what? If they continued on with that story, or if they did, um, or if they did more of that with zombies with Black Ops Four, I could actually probably buy this game without needing a campaign. I yep. yeah, because yep. I would get enough enjoyment out of getting the boys together to go hell for leather in zombies, just working through these Easter eggs and um, working through these levels and all that sort of stuff. I actually think, um, yeah, that they did zombies really, really well. And that's the, I mean, as long as it's engaging, I think that's the key to a lot of these things. If you don't have something that's going to engage that player, then you've lost them. That's how I see it, um, which is why, you know, the, the games that have put time and effort into their story, into their characters, you'll find people that will stay with it. They'll they'll keep pushing with that game. But if they get bored, like anything, there's another one around the another game around the corner they can just go to, and that'll take their interest. You know, so um, yeah. What that's... is what is that game around the corner for for Black Ops Four if they don't do it right? God. See, it's, it's an interesting question, yeah, isn't it? Because is, yep. off the top of my head, I can't think of a first-person shooter that we're looking forward to more than looking forward to another Black Ops 4 off the top of my head just yet. I mean, I know yeah, they've yeah, got the, the yeah. next Battlefield coming that's out, right. but there's not much released from what I've seen. There's not a great yeah. deal released about what it's about, whether it's going to follow Bad Company, because, I mean, Battlefield Bad Company, to me, was awesome because the story was awesome, like the four dudes out of a retard sort of squadron and, and they had a real humour to them and really engaged me into playing it. Um, they got a bit invested into, you know, their their welfare. But um, until something like that sort of gets thrown out there on the on the news or, or they release it, yeah, Battlefield's pretty much... I mean, uh, Call of Duty's pretty much... That's it. That's what what, what we got. Um, so, yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, uh, they did. I'm just trying to read that article, but I did read somewhere that uh, whilst there is no, there may not be a storyline, they would look at the cooperative multiplayer. So that is the likes of the zombie campaign, but also, you know, the, the broader question is, do they affect the Call of Duty series with a battle royale mode? You know, yeah, could that right. could that work? Call of Duty series with a battle royale mode. It's an interesting thought. If you think about it, like I mean. I mean, there is so many out there at the moment, isn't there? You know, and um, the I mean, thing is, thing though, I... with 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 a Call of Duty series, like, how do you balance it between keeping everything that makes Call of Duty great mm. and bringing the 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 basic concept of what makes a battle royale mode great? I mean, you know, you're not you're keeping that. It's a tough one because it's it's like. Are they trying to fit too many eggs into one basket? Yeah, that's right. Doing a battle royale mode for a Call of Duty game. Yeah. Um, you know, are, are you trying to just go? We're going to jump on this bad wagon as well because yep. everybody seems to be doing it, and we're going to give it a crack. Or do you stick with the tried and true method? Because let's let's be honest. Like, there's there's not really, you know, to come back to that point of there's not really much that we're looking forward to in terms of a good classic first person shooter at this stage, you know, is there an opportunity there to stick to the tried and true and do it really well so you're quite unique in the market when everybody else is doing battle royales, you're giving yep. them something traditional, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, the marketing of, you know, games like uh, Ghosts, Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 3, where they had those little TV spots with Michael Phelps and Danny McBride, that, that sold Call of Duty to me. 
Like oh, I bought the games because I really enjoyed the humor and the action and those those little TV shorts. So, yeah, if they can market Black Ops Four equally as well, um, you know, it'll suck me in anyway. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gamer and I'm, I'm gullible for those kind of things, and I'll, I'll, I I want to get every game that's available. Just um, finishing up on this thought, uh, just coming back to this Polygon story, these sources who asked for anonymity said that as Black Ops 4's release date approached, it became evident that development on the single-player campaign wouldn't be completed. One source said Treyarch has since focused Black Ops 4's development on expanding multiplayer and the series' popular Zombies mode. The source described an emphasis on cooperative modes as a potential stand-in for the typical single-player campaign experience. Um, yeah. The cooperative... I think I think if you do it well, you're onto a winner. Yeah. No matter what you do, if you do a cooperative well, because I feel like that you know this day and age that the single player campaign for a first person shooter, um, we're in a world now where we are just inundated with with co op. Like co op is the yeah. thing. If you yep. can play, if you can play a a good campaign with a mate, you'll take That's that ninety nine percent of the time over playing a good campaign by yourself. Yep. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I think they're onto something there. But uh, yeah, look, just reiterating that point. It's rumor and speculation at this point of time, um, and we'll just have yeah. to keep an eye over that for now. And I guess um, one one little quick point that might segue into the next topic is Battlefront Two. Uh, sorry, Battlefront Star Wars Battlefront One didn't have a single play campaign. Uh, that just had multiplayer. Yeah, that was just get in there and have a bash. Yeah. And as a Star Wars fan, I was disappointed. But as a gamer, I um, you know multiplayer lasted so long, but I uh, nothing kept me in that game because there was no single player aspect. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, we while we're recording this podcast, I'm streaming this live on Twitch right now as well. Cool. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash Game on AUS, and uh, a few people are watching along. Amanda Wellsart. Uh, has actually said thoughts on an Overwatch campaign. And that's a, a really great topic of discussion because um, it's something that I've actually bandied around with a few of my mates that, that I used to play a lot of Overwatch with. And I think the benefit that Overwatch actually has is that it already has, regardless of it being a, a um, first-person MOBA, essentially... Mm. Um, it already has a campaign built into it in terms of a really well thought out universe, emotionally investable characters, um, yep. all that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, the whole reason why I bought Overwatch in the first place is because I saw the digital mix. That was um, great, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's one thing of Blizzard, they do that well. They they really get you with the, the characters and the story and... You know, for those that have played Overwatch, you know that each character is not just, you know, a copy of something. It's it's an individual character. They've got a backstory. They've got, you know, whatever their abilities are. You take that and put it into an awesome campaign and you've really got something there. And, you know, knowing Blizzard's track record with stuff like World of Warcraft and StarCraft and all that sort of stuff, mate, that could that could really work, you know, really well. That's my mm. opinion, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, uh, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next. This is uh, top bit of news number two that gamers need to hear this week, and that is uh, the story that you brought, uh, Garves, and that Star Wars Battlefront Two taught EA a lesson it won't forget. 
Star Wars Battlefront 2's loot box controversy undoubtedly stole the game's thunder when it released on PC, PS4, and Xbox One last November. This from GameSpot.com. After a pre-release gameplay revealed the game was essentially pay-to-play, thanks to the way the progression system worked, EA pulled in-game transactions altogether. Now Patrick Soderlund, EA's former head of Worldwide Studios, who was just appointed chief design officer in an internal shake-up, is speaking out about the fiasco and the company's next steps. He goes on to say, I'd be lying to you if I said that what's happened with Battlefront and what's happened with everything surrounding loot boxes and these things haven't had an effect on EA as a company and an effect on us as management. Soderlund told The Verge, we can shy away from it and pretend like it didn't happen. We can act responsibly and realize that we made some mistakes and try to rectify those mistakes and learn from them. Earlier this year, EA revealed that Battlefront 2 had failed to meet sales targets, which the company blamed on the microtransaction controversy that plagues its launch. EA has maintained its insistence that it will make good with the game. Later this week, Battlefront 2 will get an update that brings microtransactions back to the game, but for cosmetic items only. Soderlund feels the game has now turned a corner. He goes on to say, We had to take very quick and drastic actions to turn everything off, and we've since worked and redesigned the progression system. People seem to appreciate what we've done. Players are coming back, and we're seeing stronger engagement numbers. People seem to think that for the most part, we got it right. It doesn't mean we'll stop. We'll continue to improve the game, continue to push on these things, and we'll have to be very cautious with what this means for future products. EA has some large releases in its future, with the next Battlefield title in the cards and the Destiny-esque action game Anthem due out next year. Soderlin goes on to say the company has done its homework this time around. Um, Gabs, we'll start with you. Too little, too late? Um, uh, yes and no. I mean, EA and I have a love-hate relationship. I mean, I hate them because of the way that they approach games. You know, like, they've got some of the most amazing titles, like, you know, they've got Star Wars under their belt, um, the Mass Effect series. But it seems like they just don't think about the gamers, you know, when they actually make these games. They make it like, how are we going to make, you know, millions of dollars? Um, just throw something rubbishy out. Um, microtransactions, I have no problem with, to be honest, in terms of, uh, as I said, for cosmetic items only. So, you know, the whole thing about gaming is, you know, you game to challenge yourself, you know, to try and defeat that boss or to, you know, achieve like, you know, an achievement list or whatever. Um, and when you bring in things like uh, loot box, I mean, they did it with Battlefield 3, I think it was eventually, I think it was at Chris after a couple of months, they yep. went, well, you can pay, you know, $39 and we'll give you all the guns that everybody else is busy working to achieve, you know, like unlock. And that annoys me. It really does. But if they did they stuck to the cosmetic things like, say, Overwatch does and other games like uh, like Lord of the Rings Online back in the day. It was just, you, you, if you paid money, it'd be a cosmetic, so you'd make yourself look cooler. And, and there's a lot of people into cosmetic stuff, so I know I am. Especially um, you, Johnny. Oh, mate, I'm shocking for it, you know, <laughs> especially Lord of the Rings. You know, like when Chris and I played that, I was shocking for it. Like I was always buying shit and same with Star Wars. Of I always Republic, had, the, you know? had the biggest sword. Oh, it was just ridiculous. Like, you know, we play Star Wars The Old Republic, you know, Chris and I, the MMO, and they'd have these um, uh, loot boxes. And, yeah, you get, like, a cool-looking lightsaber or a chance at a mount drop, and I'm, like, all oh, frothing in the mouth. Yes, I want to buy a 100 of these boxes and try for it. And we would, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm really against this whole, you know, you buy a loot box to try and you get you get that level up or they're quicker than everybody else. And, yeah, so I think this is a really good decision for them because I know when Star Wars Battlefield 2 was released, I mean... 
as you know, I'm a massive Star Wars fan. Chris and I breathe it ever since we've known each other, you know, and um, I actually had no interest in buying it when I found out there was microtransactions. No interest whatsoever. Um, and it really killed me because I loved Star Wars. Well, I love Star Wars. Um, and I only recently picked it up, to be honest, because um, it was on sale. But uh, the game is, is great. Like, it's a really good game. Like, the the, the, um, the campaign and even the multiplayer engaged me. Um and it was great to just play it and try and achieve those things instead of just going, oh, we'll press the I win button and there we go, I've won the match. You know, that's boring. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think if they've got this attitude where they're going to, like, as I say, like you say, that Patrick Sutherland, if, if he's gone in there and gone, right, got to flip around our model and, and really think about what we're putting out and um, not basically piss off the gaming community that love our games, I think they're, they're on the right track because, I mean, Anthem's coming out soon, and you know how much I'm absolutely gagging for this game. Oh, we all and, are. Yeah. Oh, mate, like, to me, that, that looks like it's going to be an awesome game with mates because it's got such a massive open world. And from what I've seen already, it looks awesome, you know. Um, and if they just stuck to the microtransactions that are cosmetics, you know, that's cool. Like, you get a javelin, say, ranger suit, and you go, eh, I'll buy a cosmetic to make it look a little bit cooler, then that's cool. You're not actually affecting the gameplay. You just want to look cooler, and that's cool. But if you bought a microtransaction in Anthem that gave you, like, the, you know, uber duber cannon that kills everything in one shot, well, again, what's the point in playing the what's game the if point? you can do that? Yeah. You know, and that, that's I, the thing. I um, certainly agree with you. I Coming back to the point of... Um, whether or not EA's cooked it, I don't think they've cooked it in terms of, you know, people trusting them because I think um, gamers have short memories. Um, I think this will be one of the ones that lasts a little bit longer than uh, a lot of the the bad sort of um, memories that we've had about particular games and series over time, purely because, you know, it was the first real big one to sort of blow the whole microtransaction thing up and dominated for so many months. Um, However, I... I do think this saga has cooked it for Battlefront 2. Like, mm. I, I, th- I think, like, I I mean, I personally, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and, I, and when we reviewed the game and everything, um, felt it was such a shame that this overshadowed the game because the game is genuinely beautiful and, and quite yeah, good to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the campaign was good fun. Uh, it, you know, touched on all of the things that make Star Wars great. Um, let's be honest, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you can't, as long as you, as long as you put in the characters, the sound effects and, you know, the, the vehicles and the worlds, mm. you can't really stuff up a Star Wars game. But no, yeah, that's they, right. But they somehow managed to do it, right? So, um, I think you know gamers have short memories but but star wars fans do not and when when you put the two together i think they they ruined their opportunity for battlefront 2 i personally have had uninstalled the game ages ago and i've got no intention of bringing it back in regardless of the changes or anything and the the um the they've gone and done what everybody was screaming at them to do the first place which was which was you know don't lock two of the core characters and the reasons exactly. why that we we love star wars darth vader and luke skywalker behind this ridiculous grind wall yep. right or or a, you know what turned out to be a microtransaction wall anyway but rather you know 
do the cosmetics thing and lock behind the paywall um, Darth Vader without his mask. Or lock yeah, behind the right. paywall uh, Tatooine um, Luke Skywalker. You know, like like that's that's the sort of stuff that you do. I, I, just, I just think that we've gone so far past um, the love that we could have had for this game and... Uh, let's let's be honest there are so many great titles out there that you like you have to grab people very quickly very early on yeah um to keep them invested and keep them interested yeah and they ruined that opportunity so i think the majority of people that that they are trying to claw back will not come back purely for the fact that um they've got too much other stuff that they've moved on to now yeah that's right yeah and that's the problem is is that they it was just dumb. Like, and it's, to me, it was just I, they've they've done it without thinking about who they're selling the game to. Gamers, you know, like we love good games. Um, and you're right; it's it was a shame that they they did it this way because I mean, Battlefront is a beautiful game. I mean, I was playing it on my system, ultra settings, and it's just you just feel like you're there. I mean, that's it's a gorgeous game. But yeah, like the whole pay to win situation, yeah, bit dirty. But um. Hopefully, as I say, like they they do fix it. On, I mean, turn it around, and if they do bring out a new Star Wars game, um, I'm not too sure whether Disney still or they're still letting them have rights. They to are. It. They yeah. there was there was a bit of talk about them pulling the rights, but um, they haven't done anything. And they the the they um, sat them down for a very serious chat. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to be a final war yeah, that That that's uh, imagine. That was confirmed, but um, they haven't taken the franchise off them. And in actual fact, that there's actually a the whisper going around now is that there is a single player campaign Star Wars game in the works. Yeah, it's a um, it's like an open world, like a you know your Skyrim's, your Fallout's, your Far Cry's, that sort of idea, um, but set in the Star Wars universe. Now that would be awesome. Um, yeah. I think, uh, don't get me wrong, I love multiplayer, I love competitive stuff, but there's times where you just want to sit down and engage and really absorb yourself into a game um, where it's just either you and a mate and that's it, you know, and, and if they could do that with the Star Wars instead of just this whole multiplayer, multiplayer, I think they've got a winner because there's a lot of games out there that just like doing that and um, if they can pull that off, um, I think that'll be quite a, quite a good game, you know. It's been uh, many years since Knights of the Old Republic 2. Where exactly. we did have that cool, yeah. awesome Star Wars single-player experience. Well, you look at like you've got dark, the old Dark Forces games. You know, can you imagine them recreating something like that um, with the modern technology, gaming technology these days? It'd just blow your mind away. And the Star Wars universe is so rich with characters and and all sorts of stuff that they can make whatever they want and um, go for it. You know, and that's why I'm just hoping that this. This guy, Patrick Sotolon, he's, he's really sort of grasped that idea that, you know, you've got an awesome property there. Make the most of it. Like, really give something to the gamers that they're going to go, wow, that's just, you know, I want to get more. I want more, you know. You, um, okay, that's a piece of shit. <laughs> you, made a, you made a good point before, right, um, when you mentioned, you know, at the end of the day, they're selling this to gamers. Um, and, you know, this is one of the classic examples of a company getting it wrong in terms of, of selling something to gamers. And that is the, the PlayStation four versus Xbox one, um, sales war or release war. Yeah. Right. 
And we live in a world now where there are two to one PlayStations to Xboxes, right? Um, yep. Even even closer to three to one. And the reason was quite simple in that at the very outset, PlayStation's message for PS4 was, we're for the gamers, this is for the gamers, this is for the players. It was all that sort of talk, that sort of message. Xboxes was, we're a multimedia center. We're an entertainment center. We're a... Yep put us in your living room and we do all of this cool stuff at, at the end of the day you, you're selling to gamers they just want to play games um that's the reason why they're buying this sort of stuff and yeah if you don't get it right you you miss your opportunity you know because yeah. it's very easy for them to move on particularly because the uh, it's so heavily saturated with content and and uh and stuff now you know so um yeah mate absolutely i I've just noticed something. No, that's all good. Never mind. Um, the... I think also uh, with the with Battlefront and those kinds of games, like the average the average age of gamers now is increasing, and we we are getting time poor. So the time we want to invest into a game, we don't want someone else to just pay money to, you know, get past that time sink. So it's quite important that the time that we invest is utilized well. Um, and yes, you know, you can use a loot box to buy the cosmetics, but uh, don't affect the gameplay that I've got my precious time that I'm dedicating to it. Yeah, and no, I think that's that's a good point. I mean, the one thing I've noticed in some games is that they try to... Like, games, like, you know, they really... Over the years, they've there's been some absolute rippers where they really challenge you. I mean, you look at, like, Dark Souls. Now, that's not just a... That's not an easy game. <laughs> and I find that there's a lot of games out there that try to appease everyone instead of and and by that it sort of waters down what they were trying to do in the in in the beginning you know what i mean um they've got to sort of stick to their guns and go well not everybody's going to be able to smash it or get into it um it might be more of a challenge to some but at least we still got that that original game that we wanted to get out there um so yeah see what happens yeah one of the um well, if we're talking about sort of uh, just going back to a point that you made before about talking about genres coming together and whatnot, a mm. a an open world World of Warcraft gameplay style Star Wars game would be pretty amazing, um, where you could you know travel to different planets and um, that sort of stuff. Because there's just yeah. there is so much scope for where you could visit and explore. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, imagine coming face to face with that uh, giant desert, desert creature that eats the Millennium Falcon, like just, just shit like that. Exactly. Um, I mean, like Johnny exactly. and I played many years ago, a game called Star Wars Galaxies, and it's an MMO like WoW, um, but back in back then MMOs were quite new still. Star Wars Galaxies was that. It was more open, you can go to different planets. Uh, when you are on the planet, you're fighting Rancors and uh, other, those other types of creatures, and it yeah. really did feel like truly being in Star Wars. I mean, I made a medic, and all I did all game was sit into the, in the hospital, and pl- like in that game, uh, as a medic, I would heal your damage, or when you get damaged, you can't just use a heal pack. You have to actually come back to a medic, and that yeah, was the social right. side of the game as well. So there was medics and there was entertainers, so medics uh, revitalize your health and entertainers revitalize your manner effectively. 
Yeah. Um, so there was a real sense of community and connection and you really relied on each other. And then I could, as a medic, I was, you know, getting up in the levels. I could then um, mentor someone else with my skill level. But the whole whole point of that game was just you're in Star Wars uh, and you are – you're living Star Wars. You can you can yeah. go and see Wedge Antilles. You can go and see Leia. Uh, you can go and see those characters and the creatures. And, like, I mean, we, you know, like Chris and I have been mates for, God, we were just talking about for, like, nearly 20 years. And um, we always sit, you know, when we have our little gaming sessions and have a few free bevies, we always get talking about, like, cool games that could, could be. And, and it always comes back to Star Wars. Like, for us, it's like there's... It's got so much there that they could do, but they're just not releasing. I mean, like uh, years ago, there was a game called Privateer, or and the one after that, I like you know Freelancer, that sort of style of game where you start off as this little dude and you just develop, uh, you know, your reputation and you buy different ships and then you mod those ships. You imagine putting something like that into Star, like Star Wars, into that, and it would be fantastic. You know, buy a buy a Carillion freighter and off you go, be a smuggler you know, modify your ship, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd love yeah, to yeah. see that sort of stuff in there, especially with an open world, because, yeah, as I said, Star Wars has got such a rich lore that if you if, if, if developers go, oh, we don't know what to do, well, you're an idiot and you shouldn't be on the project, because there's so much there um, that you can do and, and create, because uh, they've done it before in other games, and, yeah, it's just a matter of refining that and making it Star Wars. Well, guys, it's just a matter of time before Star Wars gets its own, gets its own Battle Royale mode. And, yeah, that's it. and uh, like everything else and speaking of which we'll move on to the third bit of news that gamers need to hear this week and that is um, <clears throat> PUBG's new Savage map uh, it is back it is re-entering testing and here's what's different it's adding new areas adjust blue zone based on players left alive so it's a, it's a dynamic blue zone now rather than being the consistent sequence that we've been so used to with the yeah. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds first two maps. Um, PUBG's new map codenamed Savage back for another round of testing. This from GameSpot.com. Following an earlier run on the experimental test server, developer PUBG Corp has made a number of changes, some of them significant. Here's exactly what's changed from our first experience with PUBG's third map. For starters, the map is now denser. As three new areas have been added, the middle of the island is now home to Banyan Grove, an abandoned quarry, while the southeastern section now has Dock, where you'll find a giant crane and two large ships. You can see these areas in the images below if you go to gamespot.com to check out this article. For starters, the map is, uh, we've said that. Meanwhile, the red zone will now be smaller and last for less time, while the blue zone will now vary depending on how many players are left. Specifics weren't shared, but the patch notes on Steam state that a new feature enables the blue zone to calculate and adjust its waiting time based on the number of players left alive. Boats will spawn less often around the map, but towns near the sea will see them show up more consistently. Grenades, on the other hand, will spawn more frequently, while a variety of other smaller but nonetheless appreciated fixes have been implemented. Issues with footsteps sound effects are resolved, and weather now changes in real time rather than once per match. Um, That's interesting. It is. This is the 4x4 map, is it not? The smaller map? Yeah, it is, yep. So we'll start on that note, as we are all long-time players of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Um, the 4x4 map, do you like the smaller map, or would you prefer it bigger like the original? I actually like the idea. I mean, I haven't played it myself, but from what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, there's a couple of guys on the God Mode that are playing it at the moment. Uh, I actually think, and I've watched Dr. Disrespect on uh, Twitch, 
the 4x4, smaller area, just makes the games a little bit more live, a little bit more dy- dynamic, uh, a little quicker turnover as well. So you're going to get campers in every game, but there's less likelihood of camping for the whole you know, 20 or 30 minute match, whereas this is much smaller now. Uh, and that dynamic uh, blue zone changing on based on players left, I think that's a really cool idea. And it's going to bring people hey closer to the centre quickly mm. and yep. just create a bit more action. Yeah, I think that's that's important. I mean, like as we know, we, you know, we play PUBG quite a lot, and um, you know, you can go for quite a fair bit of time um, without even seeing a player, um, and it doesn't get boring. But it's just like you sort of go, oh, I'm collecting all this gear, and I'm you know, GI Joe ready to go, and then all it takes is one bullet, and you're dead. You know? yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I do, I do like the idea of a dynamic uh, battle royale. You know. Um, just get into it. I mean, uh, game, what's it? What's it called? Radical Lights sort of has come out on extreme early access, and that sort of throws in that you're always moving your way. It's not a massive area. It's still decent, but they cut out certain parts of it that you can't go to initially. Did you and, say extreme early access? Oh, yeah. It's, what, is, um, what is extreme early access? It seems like every single week... Oh, we'll come back to all that other stuff. In yeah. Front, but it seems like every single week, early access gets a little bit earlier. It, <laughs> it's, it's definitely earlier. I mean, it was uh, Chris and Kane that got me into this game. Um, Kane's been absolutely flogging it uh, with Brucey as well, um, and then he got me onto it. And to tell you, be honest, I've actually had a hell of a lot more fun playing Radical Heights than Pub. PUBG. Um, it's got an 80s theme to it. It's uh, it's just, yeah, real tongue-in-cheek. It's <laughs> like you can create your outfit based off all this far out, basically, 80s clothing, and it's it's awesome. And it's based, it's like a TV show. It's like a, you know, your, your Blade Blade Runner, no, is that the, not Blade Runner, uh, Running Man sort of situation, you know, like, oh, you know, America's favourite competition or uh, TV show. And then you you get dropped into this town, um, Radical Heights, and and off you go. But it's it's very quick, very you know fast paced moving, and um, it's not like oh yeah I'm just going to line up take my shot. It's you blat the hell out of that person, or else you're going to go down quicker. Um, and so I like that sort of fast paced battle royale. So if PUBG are doing it, good on them. Hopefully that it works and it becomes like a permanent thing instead of just a weekender. Um, just to break up the sort of monotony of playing those massive well, maps where you... The other thing that that Radical Heights has done in terms of um, like where everybody else has got a circle getting smaller and smaller, yeah. Radical Heights has got a grid and it's blocking out squares yeah. on the grid, you know, and that in itself is a nice little way of them kind of going, well, we're going to do this a little bit differently, um, you know, and we're going to try our own unique way of what a battle royale should look like. And... Um, I you've got to hand it to them because in a in a in a in an industry fast becoming saturated with battle royale games, they've immediately put themselves um, ahead of the pack in a way because they mm. have worked out how to do a battle royale game a little bit differently from everybody else. And it, it is it's it's a, it's very different. Um, it's engaging. It's funny. And as I said, like I mean, sorry, getting back to the extreme access. It's because when you go into the game, there's still stuff that hasn't been completed, like buildings haven't got renders on them, and um, you know there's still you can walk places. along water. 
yeah, you can walk along water and it, it, little things like that. But the gameplay itself is is there. You know, you just forget that you're looking at a grey rock instead of a nice textured rock or a textured house, um, and you just get into the game and it just engages you. And it's and the way they do it is just yeah, it's really really good. Um, you don't fuss too much on like one thing with PUBG is like oh, am I gonna you know put a four times on it or 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 go with a red dot or you know front front stock all that sort of stuff it's just you pick up a gun and you shoot it and that's it um and yeah i, I actually really enjoyed it and I, and I hope it i hope it i can see it's got legs and i really hope it kicks off because yeah as i said like the time i've played it with kane and, and bruce you know it, it is so much fun like you're just laughing most of the time um because of all the cool 80s things that they have in it like your top gun references and like my character looks like john rambo <laughs> you know it's and you can do all sorts of things is it is it one for the mature gamers like a, a younger gamers going to get it you know in it like is there going to be enough gameplay do you think um for gamers who weren't who didn't grow up in the 80s or weren't a part of that sort of culture um all that nostalgia is there enough great gameplay in it for them to because I mean, I have to admit, like, I I've, I also have played the game, obviously, with you lads, and, like, I like the game, but I prefer the gameplay of PUBG so far mm. over that, um, yep. but it is the it is the nostalgia that I'm getting from all of the 80s references and the cool little Easter eggs that I'm coming across that is keeping me coming back to Radical Heights. Yeah, that's yeah I think it. that's a big part. That's that's what's that's what's kept me in is that just that funny theme and it makes me think of Johnny Rambo and all those characters. A snake, um, you know. I want to I want to dress up like him. Want to be him. I want to kill everyone else and uh, and you know get the Top Gun music and get the you're the best music at the end. Uh, that's a big nostalgia thing, like you said. Um, young people may not connect with that. Uh, they'll log in and, and they may see it as a bit of a bit over the top. They may not connect with it. Um, and I think that is the case with a lot of people that jumped in hated it straight away they went oh there's no textures what's with yeah what's with what's this guy wearing a crop top um you know those kinds of things uh, <laughs> and it's really turned them off straight away but you know we can johnny and i can resonate with that kind of stuff um and just play the game <laughs> i mean we only on, <laughs> only on sundays <laughs> only on sundays that's it um but yeah i mean like we i was playing with kane last night and i mean he is he, he's just unbelievable um you know, if if you if I generally play with Kane, I mean, you either win it or we get the top three quite easily. But to get into a game, it's very quick. Like, it's very hard. I haven't. I don't think in one game I've waited more than a couple of seconds for it to just kick in and off you go. Um, and I love that because I hate waiting. <laughs> just bored because my, you know, as you know, my gaming time is precious to me, and that's why I sort of got the shits on with PUBG with all the cheaters and all that. That's why I think I stopped playing for a while because. I didn't want to play a game where it's like you spend 30 minutes in a game to get nailed by a cheater in the last, you know, five or six players. Um, and that sort of annoyed me and put me off it. Um, but, yeah, as I said, Radical Arts, you just jump on, you're in a game, and, you know, you could die within two seconds or go right through to the end and, yeah, win it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, hope, it, I hope they do well. I mean, there was, I think uh, this week, was it yesterday or the day before, that... The boss of Radical Heights development teams cracking it at uh, Epic for poaching their lead designers and developers um, and taking away from Radical Heights. Uh, Epic so, Games, obviously. Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, Fortnite versus PUBG. Um, 
I see Fortnite as kind of on a similar vein as uh, Radical Heights, obviously not with the 80s theme, but the simplicity in just picking up a gun and then using it instead of the attachments. So there's, yeah. Yeah. it has a bit more of that fun element, uh, pick up a game and shoot. I pick up a gun, sorry, and shoot. Um, the you know the more cartoony graphics kind of melds to the younger gamer, whereas I see PUBG as more of a mature and young gamers game. Yeah, I mean they're both they're, they're two different styles of game. I mean, they, they, I mean obviously they're battle royale, but you know PUBG is very like that militaristic, you know, sort of tactical movement, making sure you're not exposing yourself, whereas. You look at something like Fortnite and Radical Heights, like you could be running down the street, you know, doing a dance and still survive. Whereas PUBG, you, you get your head blown off. Um, Fortnite, I think it was Ninja, one of those guys I was watching, he said 90% of that game is building and 10% is, you know, actual battle. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. listen, I, I, I latched on to Fortnite when, uh, as a backer. Um, because I really like the idea of the PvE side of it, like, you know, get into a map, you know, defend a certain thing and get in with your mates. Um, but then I think, yeah, when Chris and I played Fortnite, it was just so plagued with cheaters, we just went, yeah, bugger it, and that's when we got really into player unknown. Um, and I haven't really played much Fortnite, to be honest, not the Battle Royale side of it, ever really. I mean, I know guys like Nick, I think, play it a lot, um, and others, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I still can't, put myself bring myself to play it it just doesn't interest me so i played I one it, game yeah. uh, and just i just couldn't do it uh, and admittedly i played it after i'd hammered a fair bit of PUBG, and i think part of the effect for me was the fact that PUBG was my first and i quite enjoyed it so yeah. you know you you kind of you always go back to your first so it was um <laughs> it was that for me that the the yeah fortnite i just couldn't i just couldn't I couldn't enjoy it, and the the building adds a, a layer of strategy to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I like if I play a battle royale, I don't want to spend my time building. I want to spend my time looting and getting ready for a fight. Like it's yep. you know, and I, there will be people who are Fortnite nuts who will um, you know swear black and blue that it it's better the other way around, and and yeah. Uh, that's fair enough, you know, each their own with that sort of stuff. I I um, am really looking forward to Radical Heights uh, getting its squads in as well. Um, oh, yeah, yep. Because at the moment you can only play duos, obviously. Yeah, that's right. And I think once that happens, I see, I think the other thing that Radical Heights seems to have done quite well is um, you mentioned before the uh, not having attachments and all that sort of stuff. Um I think that's great also because it's it's pretty much just pick up and it's pick up and play like yeah rather than and this is one of the things that irks me about PUBG you know it is very much luck of the draw in terms of where loot spawns yeah um you know so not every game is fair to an extent yeah like, you know like I've I've played games I've played some PUBG games where I've only come across level one gear and a pistol, you yeah. know, um, and there is no way. And I'm like, I'm, I've managed to get to the sort of last two or three circles by pure just hiding and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but there is no way that you're going to win that game going up against the guy who is level three kitted up, um, sitting there with an org and, 
you know, all that sort of stuff. It's just, it's not going to happen. Whereas Radical Heights, it, it's not it, like there's, there's weapon machines around the place where you can purchase weapons. Um, really the luck of the draw comes from sort of like the cash points, you know, if you just happen to be close enough for, for it to rain cash on you and you can get there in time, um, then so be it. But you're still picking up cash in plentiful amounts along the way anyway, you know, so. Yeah, that's right. And you can yeah. buy guns and 